you've got your Bible, open to Luke chapter 24, and we're going to see how all of Scripture, how all of the Bible, how all of God's Word points us to Jesus. Okay, I want you guys to answer that question with me out loud. I want to make sure that we're getting it, right? I'm going to say it again, and then I'll ask you. It's like I'm giving you the answer to the test up front. Here it is. <clears throat> all of the Bible points to Jesus. Got it? If you got it, say got it. Okay, all of the Bible points to? Okay, some of you've got it. All of the Bible points to? All of the Bible, guys, points us to Jesus. And we're going to see that in this passage. This is such a huge piece of Scripture that we get to look at. And as you read it, guys, read it thinking about the fact that this actually happened. Right? Read it thinking about these are real people, just like me and you, that had a real encounter with Jesus as they were walking down this road, the, the history piece of this just blows my mind to think about the situation that these people found themselves in. In Luke 24, here's the context that we've got to remember. In Luke 24, it's technically still Easter Sunday morning, okay? They didn't call it that then, but it's still the morning that they went to the tomb. It's still the day they went to the tomb and found it empty, found that Jesus was gone. All right, that happened this very morning. And that very morning, these two guys, right, went on the road um, out of Jerusalem and, and back to, to their houses, knowing that the tomb was empty, knowing that ladies from their group, that's what it says in the chapter, we'll see in a minute, had gone to the tomb and an angel had asked them a very important question. You remember what the question was? Why do you seek the living among the dead. The angel had said Jesus was alive. The angel had said Jesus wasn't among the dead, but Jesus was in fact alive. All of that happened that morning, right? And so these guys are walking down the road thinking about that, talking about that, letting their minds go on and on and on about that. These ladies had gone to the tomb, right? Had this encounter with an angel. They ran back. They told the disciples. They probably told more followers of Jesus as well, and imagine the disciples getting that news. Imagine the other followers of Jesus getting that news. I mean, think about what had happened in the, the, the past couple of hours, right? Jesus had been arrested, he had been beaten, he had been tried, he had been killed on a cross, and he had been put in, in the tomb. And now, now they're hearing that, that he's not there. Now they're hearing that, that he's alive, that they might be confused, they might be full of wonder, they might be, be not knowing what to think, right? Everything had changed for them when Jesus died on the cross. They didn't know how to respond to that. They didn't know how to react to that. That's why they went and they locked themselves in a room, not really knowing what to do next. And, and all of a sudden, they get this news that, well, the tomb's empty, and there were people in shiny clothes, angels saying that Jesus isn't here. What do we what do we need to do? Remember, guys, we're, we're reading this knowing that later Jesus appears to his disciples. Later he appears to a ton of people proving that he's risen from the dead. But Jesus hadn't appeared to these disciples yet. He hadn't shown up to them yet. So they're still wondering, really, what's going on. They're still wondering what to think and, and what do we do next. They're in the state of wonder, the state of confusion a little bit. And in chapter 24, we see two of those guys who were followers of Jesus, who had seen everything that had happened and heard the news, still in this state of wonder, <coughs> and they're going home. Right? They're, they're leaving Jerusalem and they're going back to the city that they more than likely lived in. 
And of course, what are they doing? They're talking, right? They're talking about everything that had happened. They're talking about everything that they saw, that they're really thinking through and processing that. And we're going to pick it up in Luke chapter 13. So if you've got, or chapter uh, 24, verse 13. So look in verse 13 with me, and we're going to read some of it together. It says, that very day, two of them, two of them, them as followers of Jesus. So two people who, who had been followers of Jesus, who had hoped in Jesus, who had trusted in Jesus, were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles away from Jerusalem. <coughs> and they were talking with each other about all of these things that had happened. What are these things? Think about it for a second. They're talking on the road about all of these things that had happened. What, what are the things that had just happened? They saw Jesus arrested, right? They saw Jesus tried. They saw him beaten. They saw him crucified. They saw him buried. And most recently, that morning, they heard some angels say, or so that some of their friends heard some angels say that Jesus had risen, that Jesus wasn't in the tomb anymore. And they're talking about that as they go down the road. Verse 15, while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself showed up. Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. So Jesus shows up next to these guys as they're walking down the road. They just left Jerusalem. They're talking about everything. Really, they're talking about Jesus, everything that had happened to Jesus. And who shows up next to him? Jesus, right in the midst of an incredibly confusing time and what we're going to find out to be a hopeless time in their lives. Guys, Jesus drew close. Jesus showed up. Listen, that's not the main point of the chapter that we're going to read this morning, but I want to make sure that, that we don't miss this. This is a big, big deal. In the moment that these guys had lost hope, Jesus was there. In a moment that these guys were incredibly depressed, incredibly frustrated, incredibly confused, filled with hopelessness, Jesus showed up, right? We're going to see later in the chapter, these guys had said, we had hoped that Jesus was the one. We had hoped that he was going to redeem us, and they didn't believe that anymore because Jesus to them was dead. Jesus to them was gone. And in the midst of their hopelessness, in the midst of discouragement, guys, Jesus was there. Jesus showed up. Jesus drew close and begins to teach them, begins to love on them, begins to encourage them and point them back to himself. Guys, Jesus stepped in. And this morning, you might be in an incredibly tough time. You might identify with those two guys and say, listen, my life or this situation in my life right now is hopeless. I've lost hope. I'm frustrated. I don't know what to do next. I don't know what's going to happen. I can't process what has happened. I'm in this state of hopelessness where I'm not sure what to do next. I want to encourage you this morning with this, guys. It's, it's probably not likely that you're going to leave here and get in your car and Jesus is going to appear in your car in the flesh in person and have a conversation with you as you go home. He might not walk up the sidewalk with you, you when you get back to your house to go in after church today in the midst of a hopeless situation that you find yourself in. But the same Jesus that showed up on the road with those two guys at, at their lowest point has also promised us as his followers, as people who have placed our faith and trust in him, that he will never leave us and never forsake us, that he is always with us. So whatever you find yourself walking through right now, whatever challenge you're facing, whatever struggle you're facing, whatever trial, hardship, pain, whatever it is that you're facing, guys, the same Jesus that showed up here in this chapter has promised you 
that he's not going to leave you. He's promised you that he's going to walk through it and be there in the midst of it with you. He's walking through it with you right now. So, so trust in him to come and to stay alongside you guys. In chapter 24, we see that he came alongside these two men when they were at their lowest point. And we see something really interesting. Look at verse 16. It says their eyes were kept from recognizing Jesus. So they're talking about Jesus. They're talking about everything that had happened to Jesus. And the person that they're talking about shows up next to him. And they didn't recognize him. You think it was that they couldn't recognize him? Or do you think that, that Jesus maybe did something to make sure that they wouldn't recognize him? Think about that for a second. Right? If, if I'm walking down the street, right, and I'm talking about somebody and they show up next to me, I'm going to recognize them, right? I mean, someone that I know, someone that I've seen, someone that I've been around. If they show up, I'm going to recognize them. You too? I mean, think about it. Right, Blake, if, if you're talking about me, hopefully not in a mean way, but if you're talking about me and I walk up, I mean, you'd recognize me, right? I mean, it's, we recognize people that we know. It's just one of those things. We see each other and we connect with one another. But these two guys didn't recognize Jesus as he walked up. And the Bible says that their eyes were kept from recognizing Jesus. Jesus didn't allow them to see what was going on. <clears throat> and a lot of people that are a lot smarter than me think that's probably because Jesus wanted to teach them something. Jesus wanted them to hear the scriptures taught before they understood that he had rose from the dead so that they could think about him raising from the dead in light of what the Bible said about him. Does that make sense? If they recognized Jesus, they would have freaked out and said, oh my gosh, it's Jesus, he's back, he's out from the grave, the girls were right, they're not crazy about what they said at the tomb, it's really him, and they probably wouldn't have heard anything that he said because they would have been so excited. Instead, Jesus keeps them from recognizing so that he can have a conversation with them. It says as Jesus drew close, right, he walks right in and gets in the middle of their conversation. Have you guys ever walked up on a conversation, like two other people talking and you sort of come in and jump in the middle of it? You ever been there? Right, two people are talking and you want to be talking too and you've got to figure out the right time to insert yourself in the conversation to where it's not too awkward. Been there? You've been there and it's awkward and you sort of have to jump in. These guys are walking and Jesus isn't in the group. You know what I'm talking about, right? They're walking and Jesus isn't in the group and he comes up next to them and jumps in the group. He says, what are you guys talking about? Right? He knew what they were talking about. They were talking about him. He says, what are you guys talking about? And they looked at him like, man, you're crazy. Are you the only person that's been in the city of Jerusalem that hasn't heard about everything that's happened? Right? They're talking about everything that's happened like it's common knowledge, like everybody in the city has heard about it. And they go on to tell him everything that had happened to this man named Jesus. But who are they talking to? Who are they talking to? They're talking to Jesus. They tell Jesus everything that had just happened to Jesus. And they walk him through it. And look at verse 21. This is critical here. While they're talking to Jesus, they said, We hoped, we had hoped that Jesus was the one to redeem Israel. They said, We hoped Jesus was the one that was going to save us. We hoped Jesus was the one that God promised. But it's been three days since all of these things had happened. Listen, as they hoped in Jesus, they trusted in Jesus, they were really thinking that Jesus was going to be the one that saved them. They were really thinking that Jesus was the one that God promised. But it's been three days since what happened? Three days since when? 
three days since his death on the cross. They thought, man, it's been three days. It's been too long. I, I guess we were wrong, right? I guess we were wrong. And, and they find themselves in this place of hopelessness. Look at verse 22. They keep talking. And they said, we thought he was going to be the one. We thought it was him. Verse 22, moreover, some women from our group amazed us. They were at the tomb early this morning. Remember, all this happened this morning, right? The, the, it all happened that morning. They were at the tomb early in the morning. They didn't find his body, and they came back saying they saw a vision of angels and that, that he was, was alive. And some of us went to see the tomb and found it just like the women had said, right? All of this is going on. They're still not sure what to believe. And when they finish explaining it, Jesus is basically able to see they're, they're clueless, right? They've heard everything. They've seen everything. They've been around everything. But listen, guys, it's not getting from their head to their heart. They're not understanding how God is at work. They're hearing things. They're seeing things, but they're not able to put it all together. And then Jesus speaks and encourages them uh, with some rather strong words. Look at verse 25. And Jesus said to them, you foolish ones, right? Imagine you're walking down the road, minding your own business with your friend. Somebody jumps into the conversation, has you explain everything, and then when you're done explaining, calls you a foolish person, right? That's what Jesus did. He jumped right in the middle of it and says, guys, you're missing it. You're missing it. You've got all the evidence. You've got everything pointing right here, and you're missing it. Your minds aren't connecting. And he goes on to say, you're slow to believe it in your heart. Your heart and your mind aren't catching on to what God is doing here. He goes on to say, O foolish ones, slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. What are the prophets? We can read them too. It's right here, guys. All that the prophets have spoken, it's right here. Those guys had read it. Those guys had heard it. Those guys had seen it taught in their church, in their synagogues, in their temples. They had heard the prophets talk about the one that God was sending to redeem Israel. But listen, they missed it. They were missing it. Man, they had walked with Jesus and they were missing it. They thought they had it and then something bad happened and they pulled their hope back. They were missing it, guys. Jesus said, you're, you're foolish and you're slow of heart to believe it all. Verse 26, Jesus asked them a question. Was it not necessary that the Christ... That's the promised one, the one that, that God would send to save them. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? And verse 27 is critical. If you've got your Bible out, underline it, star it, and memorize it, whatever you want to do. But, but make sure you focus in right here. It says, and Jesus said, <clears throat> or it says, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus interpreted to them in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Listen, guys, Jesus put the pieces together for these two that were walking down the road. Verse 27, look at it on the screens, look at it in your Bible, get your eyes on it. It says, and beginning with Moses. Guys, that's the first books of the Bible. Jesus goes back to the very beginning of scripture, beginning with Moses and all the prophets. He's basically saying the entire Old Testament, all of the scripture that those guys would have had access to, Jesus goes back and teaches them about himself. Jesus goes back and teaches them the truth about the one that God promised, the one that God was sending using the Old Testament. He's saying, listen guys, it's all right here. It's all right here. And he begins to teach them everything concerning 
himself. Listen, Jesus has a conversation with these guys and says this, you had access to it. You heard it. You saw it. You read it. You walked with me. You talked with me. You heard the word of God, but you didn't really believe and understand the word of God. I want you to think about that. They were around it. They heard it, but it didn't really click. It didn't really transfer into them. Guys, it's so important. Jesus shows us right here how important it is for us to be in Scripture, how important it is for us to know the Word of God, how important it is for us not just to read it or to hear about it, but to allow the Word of God into our heart, to think about it, to process it, to understand it, to allow God to work it into our minds and our hearts. These guys didn't get it, but they had an encounter with Jesus where Jesus begins to explain it to them, where Jesus begins to walk it out with them, and he tells these guys that this points to who? Points to who? And it points them right to Jesus. He says, listen, everything, starting at the beginning, points to me. Everything, starting at the beginning, every, every book points to Jesus, the one that God would send. And he showed them how all of Scripture points to him as the one they had hoped for. Right? Verse 21. They said they hoped he was the one. Jesus says, you're right. Your hope was in the right place. I am the one. You can trust in Jesus. And he walks it out for him. That's great news for them. And guys, it's great news for us. Jesus is the one that we can place our hope in. Jesus is the one that God promised. Jesus is the one that the Bible points us forward to. And the Bible is constantly pointing us to Jesus, starting in the beginning. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, we see God talking about how Jesus is going to be the one to triumph over sin and death. In Genesis chapter 12, we see that Jesus is the one that's going to bless the nations and the families of the earth. And in Micah chapter 5, we see it pointing forward to the birthplace of Jesus being Bethlehem. In Zechariah chapter 9, it talks about how Jesus is going to walk into or ride into Jerusalem on a donkey. And that happened as he rode into Jerusalem for that last time before he was arrested and crucified. In Psalm 22, it talks about the piercing of his hands and his feet. It talks about his bones during the crucifixion. It talks about how the soldiers were going to cast lots for his clothes. We're in a thousand years before Jesus was on the earth. The Bible is constantly pointing us forward to Jesus. In Isaiah 53, we have so many details about the crucifixion, about Jesus, the perfect holy lamb of God laying himself down for us, sacrificing his life so that you and I can have life. Guys, the Bible points us to Jesus. And Jesus had this encounter with these guys where he's able to lay it all out there for him and say, listen, it's pointing to Jesus. It's pointing to him as the Messiah. And for these guys, think about it, right? Two people, just like me and you, are walking down the road. And they encounter Jesus. And he's able to walk them through Scripture to help them understand how all of the Bible points to who? All the Bible points to who? Guys, all the Bible points us to Jesus. I mean, think about that. And he begins to, to lay it out there for them. Think about what they would be thinking. Think about what you would be thinking in that situation. Right here in that passage from Zechariah talking about Jesus walking in on a donkey, right? You would probably be thinking, because you were in Jerusalem, wait a minute, last week Jesus rode in on a donkey. That passage from Psalms chapter 22 talking about the hands and feet being pierced, the bones not being broken, the soldiers gambling for their clothes. Three days before, 
right? That had happened. They're thinking, what? Wait a minute. It did make sense that he died on the cross. That, that is what the prophet said was going to happen, right? It's, it's starting to come together for them, and they begin to understand it. And about that time, they get to the village that they're going to, and Jesus says, all right, guys, see you later. And they're like, wait, 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 wait. You can't just leave us now. And the Bible says, look in your, book, your, your verse. It says they urged him to stay with them. That's not just like a, I'm trying to convince you. That word urge there would have meant like they grabbed onto him and they said, you're not getting away from us. You've got to stay with us. It's a little bit stronger than we use the word urge. It probably means they're pulling on his shirt saying, you've got to stay with us. You've got to come in, grabbing his hand or bringing him into the house and saying, we can't leave you right now. You've got to stay with us. Listen, they're in the presence of Jesus and they don't want to go anywhere else, right? They don't even know it. But they're in the presence of Jesus, and they want him to stay. And Jesus stays, and you'll see at the end of the chapter that Jesus stays with them. And they sit down for dinner that night, and he breaks the bread, and he blesses the food as they begin to eat. And the Bible says that in that instant, their eyes are opened, and they can see that it's Jesus, and they can know that it's Jesus, and understand that they are with the one they had placed their hope in. They're with the one that the Bible's pointed to. And the Bible says in that moment when they realized that he was gone, when they realized that he, he was gone, he was taken away, and he goes somewhere else. And I love the response. Look at the, the last couple of verses from the chapter, I think starting in verse 32 right there. <coughs> when they realized it, it says that very hour they did something. What did they do? That very hour they got up and they went somewhere. Where'd they go? Where? They went to Jerusalem. How far away was Jerusalem? Seven miles. That very hour, they're sitting at the dinner table at the end of their day, after a seven-mile journey, they realized that Jesus was the one. Their hope was in the right place. Jesus did raise from the dead, and they're so excited about the news that Jesus was alive. They got up and they ran seven miles back just to do what? Tell people that he's alive. They ran seven miles to share the greatest news they'd ever heard with people that were hopeless, with people that didn't believe yet, with people that hadn't yet heard that Jesus was alive. They went to share their encounter with Jesus. They went to share what Jesus had done. They went to share that, yes, Jesus is alive. You can put your hope in Jesus. He is the one. And I know that because I've met with him. I know that because I've talked with him. Him. He's shared an experience with me. I, I've connected with him. He's walked us through scripture to see how the Bible points us to who? Who? The Bible points us to who? How the Bible points us to Jesus. And we get it now. We understand it. And they ran seven miles at night. I don't think I've ran seven miles at one stretch at any point of my life, right? But they got up after dinner with a full belly back to Jerusalem to share with them the greatest news ever because they knew that Jesus was the one they'd hoped for. Jesus was the one that God had sent to redeem them. And guys, I want you to listen to this. That, that's not a light phrase. And that's not an empty saying. When, they, when we talk about God's word and how Jesus came to redeem us, we're talking about how Jesus came to save us, to forgive our sins, and to deliver us from death and eternal separation from God and hell, and give us the opportunity to have life and a hope and forever relationship with God that starts now and culminates with him in heaven. The fact that Jesus is the one that God sent to redeem us is no small thing. It is a huge thing with eternal implications for us 
and for every person that we will meet. And as we read God's word, we see that the entire Bible points us to Jesus as the one that God sent to redeem us. God, this is such a, a huge passage of scripture, and it happens the morning that they go to the tomb and find that it's empty. It happens three days after Jesus died on the cross. It happened when Jerusalem was full of people that were there to celebrate the Passover. Right? God planned this entire thing, orchestrated it perfectly to begin to let people know that he is the one, that Jesus is the one that God sent to redeem us. Listen, this passage of scripture in God's word has huge implications for our lives. And if we believe it, if we understand it, if we trust it, guys, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it will shape the way that we live. It will shape the way that we act. It will shape the things that we do as we grasp the truth of God's word this morning. There's two takeaways that I want to make sure we've got this morning really quickly at the end. If you're taking notes, here's two points for you to write down, and you're going to help me with the first one. The Bible, and, and all of the Bible, right, not just the four Gospels, but the Bible, all of the Bible points us to more people. The Bible points us to Jesus, Jesus as our Savior. The Bible points us to Jesus as the one who came to redeem us. The Bible points us to Jesus as the one that God promised for us. The Bible points us to Jesus as the one that came to be a blessing to the nations of the earth. The Bible points us to Jesus, right? It points us to Jesus. So what do we do if the Bible points us to the one that God sent to save us. What's our application to that point? What do we do? The Bible's all about Jesus. Jesus came to save us. What should we do with our Bibles? You guys know what's going, where this is going, right? What should we do with our Bibles? We should read them, right? We should read them, right? We have access to the Word of God. Jesus is probably not going to meet us walking down the road today, but he's going to meet you right here, Right? Each and every day, every time you open this, God can meet you right here in his pages. We see the heart of God. We see the will of God. We see the plan of God, the purposes of God. It's all laid out right here. If you've ever wondered what to do, what direction to take your life, what God's calling you to do, begin to read your Bible. Open up the word of God. And listen, guys, please don't read your Bible because somebody told you to read your Bible. Please don't read your Bible to check a box or because it's something you feel this burden, this weight. That it's something that, that you have to do, guys. Read it eager. Read it expecting to have an encounter with God. Read it knowing that God's going to meet you there on the pages of his words. Look at verse 32 of Luke chapter 24. Look at verse 32 if you've still got your Bible open. How did they describe their encounter going over Scripture with Jesus? What did it do to them? It says it made their hearts burn. Right? It made their hearts burn. Their hearts came alive as they read, as they heard, as they talked about the Word of God. Guys, let God's Word make your heart burn. Think about it. Pray about it. Dwell on it. Get into the Word of God and let it wrestle with the things that are in your heart. Let the Word of God come alive inside of you. Man, guys, studying God's Word this week reading about that, that verse connected with me, and it began to make, make my heart burn. And, and every time I dove into God's Word, I was excited, I was pumped, I was ready, I was eager to learn what God wanted to teach me, not what I wanted to, to share with other people. I was excited to read what God was going to teach me. When you open your Bibles, do it with that anticipation, and that excitement, ready to learn and think about what God is going to teach you. Seek Him with all your heart. Get into the Word 
of God. Sixth graders, you're not too young for this. Open up the Word of God. Read it. Talk about it. Discuss it. If you ever read something you don't understand, ask your mom or dad. Ask your life group teacher. Ask Ryan. Ask me. Ask, ask one of the pastors. Jump in and ask people so that you can learn and understand the Word of God in a way that will make your heart burn. Seniors, you're not too old for it, right? You don't have all the answers yet. You've got to spend time in the Word of God, encountering Jesus with what's going on. Juniors, where are you at? You're not too busy for this, right? You don't have so much going on that you can't peel away to spend time with God in His Word. Life group teachers, you're not too smart yet. We've got to spend time in the Word of God, reading it, allowing God to to let our hearts come alive through the truth that's in His Word. Word. Guys, the Bible points us to who? Jesus. Jesus. So let's get in our Bible, right? Let's let our hearts come alive by the truth and the Word of God. Not once a week on Sunday. That's good. Guys, it's not enough. I need more. Guys, you need more. Our church, together as a whole, guys, we, we need the Word of God to be in the Word of God, to do what God's called us to do as a church. Guys, be in the Word of God. So here's my question for you. What's your plan? How are you going to get into the Word of God? What are you going to do? How are you going to read it? There's a million tools, a million resources at your disposal. Pick one and just do it. Just get in it. Get a friend, get a buddy after the service today and say, we're going to do this together. We're going to read it together. Go to your life group class and tell your life group teacher, hey, we want to read God's Word together and hold each other accountable. And your life group teacher will say, great, let's read this plan or let's read this book this week. And y'all can read it and talk about it next Sunday. Guys, accountability helps make it a reality. Get into the Word of God and allow it to burn in your heart. And, and the second thing we see from this passage, not only does all of Scripture point us to who? Jesus. We see that Jesus did, in fact, raise from the dead, right? He's not still there in the tomb. He's out of the tomb. Those ladies were right with what the angel said. He appears to these two on the road, and he appears to more in the house, and we'll see over the next several weeks that he appears to more and more and more. We see that Jesus did raise from the dead, and because he rose from the dead, we can place our hope in him. Those guys were walking away hopeless until they had that encounter with Jesus. Guys, we can place our faith, our hope, and our trust in him. He's alive. He loves us, and he desires for us to be in a relationship with him. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray that the truth of God's word is both encouraging and uplifting to you. If you'd like more information about our church, service times, or locations, or if you have a question about what you heard today and you want to connect with someone, I want to encourage you to visit us on our website at championforest.org. Have a great day and God bless.